3: What is up, Green Bay Packers fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am your host, Jacob Morley. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Morley. I am not joined today by Ross Uglum, who was traveling all day, so I am recording into the wee hours by myself today. Got a couple things we want to talk about today. Um, This is kind of a dead period of the offseason, I suppose, a couple weeks after the Super Bowl. Not much going on. Senior bowl is over. Free agency is not set to start for another month. Draft season is upon us, but it's early. You know, no combine this year. We're going to see pro days are going to be the only type of workout numbers, I guess, that we're going to get this off season. And with that comes some, you know, comes some challenges as well. It, are these schools going to be running thirty nine yard forties? You know, stuff like that. I hope uh, the NFL regulates it to a certain extent. But that's going to be all something that we get to and we have plenty of time to um, to get to. But there are some things that I just want to get out into the airwaves from myself right now. Early in draft season, um, I'm about, gosh, I-, I would say I'm about 40% done um, of what I do every year for the KC draft guide And for just what I do generally for Packer Report and and my scouting reports and draft miss season will be coming to Packer Report very soon. Uh, But I want to get some takes out into the airwaves just right now where we're at. Guys that I have seen so far and I have watched and I'm done watching and they scream, scream from the mountaintop, this is a Packer. Uh, just knowing what we know about what the Packers like. And so I'm going to have two names. I'm going to have two names that I'm going to get out into the airwaves today that I'm just going to stake my claim right now and say these guys, um, I would not be surprised in the slightest if they were Green Bay Packers, you know, come the end of April. Um, But before we get to that, there's a guy that's a free agent right now that I know people have been talking about. Um, one of one of the Watt brothers, T.J. Watt's brother, um, J.J., is actually a free agent. I'm not sure if people have heard of him. Um, played for Wisconsin, played for the Texans for a lot of years, probably a Hall of Famer. Yeah, clearly we know who J.J. Watt is. That wasn't even a very good joke. I, I apologize for how lame that was. But as a Packers supporter, this is something I – I'm going to give you my two cents on, and I'm going to basically talk through, I guess, this is me talking through it myself, what that would mean to this Packers team. And truth be told, I have not even let my mind really go to this place of what J.J. Watt would look like in green and gold. So we're going to kind of do it together right now. Um, You know, first things first. I'm going, to, I'm going to get the boring stuff out of the way, the Debbie Downer stuff out of the way. It would be tough to sign him. Unless he wants to come in and play for less money to play in Wisconsin, it's going to be tough to get him to Green Bay, right? Um, you just have to figure if he's going to take a hometown discount, it would either be in Green Bay, which is practically hometown for him, or it would be in Pittsburgh to play with his brother. And I don't know how he's wired. I've only seen the things I've seen and I've only read the things I've read. But it seems to me like if you were to take a a significant discount to play somewhere, it would be with his brother, not with the Packers. And that's just, you know, that's him as the person. Now, the only the other thing is the only caveat to that is he said he wants to play with a contender. Is Pittsburgh a contender? Are they? They fell apart at the end of the season. Ben Roethlisberger is, you know, he's not going to be riding that white horse in anytime soon and saving this franchise. They don't have anything behind him. And if Ben Roethlisberger is your best option right now, that's probably not great. And JJ's a smart enough guy, I think, to know that. And he's probably going to talk to T.J. and said, hey, I've probably got three, four years left. Um, can we win a Super Bowl there in Pittsburgh? I don't know what T.J. is going to say about that. I have no idea. I really don't. I, I would expect TJ would probably say yes. Yeah, of course we can. Because why wouldn't he? But also at the same time, let's look at this. Green Bay, on the other hand, is the reigning MVP. The team that's been to the NFC Championship the last two years in a row. And they just need a bump. They need a boost. They need something to get over that hump. And that may be JJ Watt. It may be him. I don't know. We We're not going to know. We're not even if they sign him, even if they sign him in the coming days, we won't know until next year. If he is that guy, it would be exciting, though. My goodness, would it be exciting just to think about the two most double team players in football last year? And I'd venture to say it's probably even stretches further back. So I know Zadarius Smith was double teamed at a very high rate two years ago as well. But last year, in 2020, the two most double teamed players, pass rushers in the National Football League. J.J. Watt, Z'Darrius Smith. They get doubled for a reason because they're hard to block one on one. And the thing about having both of those guys rushing the passer at the same time is you can't double both of them. Oh, by the way. There's a kid named Rashawn Gary who is coming into his own as an edge pass rusher. Next year could be a year he absolutely blows up. Oh, there's a kid named Kenny Clark who would probably line up directly next to J.J. Watt and you can't single block him either. Oh, there's a kid named uh, Kiki Kingsley who the year three jump next year is going to be a real thing. He played really good football for the Packers this season. He got hurt. They missed him the last four or five weeks of the season, missed him for the playoffs, and it showed. They were not as good of a defense defense without him out there. He is probably their second best defensive lineman, young guy, ready to take that next jump. All things considered, you throw J.J. Watt into the mix, you draft a guy, you add a vet. This could be a, a super formidable front seven. And you look at the last decade of Super Bowls. You need to have one of two things to win a Super Bowl in this league. You need to have an elite quarterback. You need to have a Patrick Mahomes. You need to have a Aaron Rodgers. You need to have a Tom Brady. You need to have someone like that to win a Super Bowl. And if you don't, you better have an elite pass rush. We saw it last year in the Super Bowl. The only time we've seen Patrick Mahomes really get shut down this in his career so far is with a just – I mean, just a a relentless pass rush that did not let him do anything. If you can put together a team, a front seven like that, and then pair that with what the Packers were able to do on offense last year, that's, that's a Super Bowl team, right? That's a team that you would expect to be playing in that final game, and you'd expect them to win that game. Now, can they make it happen? Can they get him on this team where everybody's happy? I don't. I don't know. I really don't. I think a sign, and, and the timing of it is interesting. With David Bakhtiari taking his restructure, you know, being able to free up eight and a half million, roughly, in cap space. Now, is that for JJ Watt, or is that so they can just get under the cap in the first place? Uh, you know, Russ Ball. Brian Gutten, because they're really the only guys that know the answer to that. What they're doing are the Packers interested in JJ Watt? You bet your butt they are. Like they, they are, they are very interested in bringing him in. I think that has been well reported. But can they make it work? That's going to be the question. So we will see. That will unfold, I'm sure, in the next week or so. And uh, and we'll see. I mean, I I still haven't really let myself go there, just because I just feel like we're. If I do, I'm just setting myself up for disappointment and that is, an, I've had enough disappointment this year. <laughs> oh, brother. So um, so we'll, we'll move on from the JJ Watt talk and, and I wanna talk about, speaking of disappointment, let's talk about Hope Springs Eternal. Let's talk about the NF.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
3: They'll draft, everybody's favorite, because on that day during this season, your team has a shot. Right? If they just do what you think they should do, your team has a shot to win it all, to be Super Bowl champs, and you can shove it in all your friends' faces. And that's that's what we that's what we love about this game. So, two guys, two guys that through my my film work so far that I I'm just going to say these guys when I watch them or are, are Green Bay Packers. They're both guys that I think are top 50 type guys. Um, so they're both guys that potentially the Packers could get one of them in their first two picks. If it works out, you could be looking at, you know, maybe one of these guys at pick 29 and the other one at 60 or whatever their second round pick is.
2: See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
3: The first guy we're going to talk about is someone that I've talked about already on this podcast. And the more I watch him, the more I study him, the more I learn about him, the more to me he just looks like a Green Bay Packer. And that is Dylan Radens from North Dakota State. He's an offensive tackle. And you look at this kid and you look at the way the Packers have drafted offensive linemen historically. They like taking collegiate tackles who are freakazoid athletes that can play anywhere on the line of scrimmage. Now, the only the really the only way the only time they really got away from that was Elton Jenkins. But if you really dig into Elton Jenkins, they they didn't get away from that. Elton Jenkins played everywhere at Mississippi State. He just kind of settled into the center position. And now he's showing us that he is an elite football player at all five spots. Dylan Radens is that type of player. Coming out, Radens does not have the grown man strength that Elton Jenkins did. Um, He is more of a finesse player, an athlete, Um, someone that I would compare him to is Joe Staley. When he came out of, uh, where was he? The Chippewas. What was that from? Western something. Uh, but when he came out he is a guy that's raw, he is a guy that is not going to, you know, stick your face mask into the dirt, but in this outside zone blocking scheme, you look at the way he plays and you look at the versatility of which he plays. This is a kid that absolutely screams, screams Packer. And on top of that, they already have a North Dakota State offensive tackle in Billy Turner. They have a North Dakota State offensive guard on their practice squad in Zach Johnson. They had, uh, who else might think it was the wide receiver that didn't work out? Darius Shepard, North Dakota. So this is a program that they're familiar with. And they haven't invested, the, you know, those two under unrestricted or undrafted free agent guys. Yes, they didn't invest a lot in them because they're undrafted, right? They did invest a lot in Billy Turner. But that just shows you the familiarity that they have with the program and the fact that they probably like the the product that's coming out of that North Dakota State program. So Dylan Radon is a guy that, you know, I think he probably is hovering around the end of that top 50. Um, but offensive tackles can shoot up. You know, they, they absolutely can, and I think once he gets done testing, people are going to realize the type of athlete that he truly is, and they're going to look at that RAS score, and Packers fans are going to look at that RAS score and say, this guy could absolutely be a Green Bay Packer. They could take it, and and the fact of the matter is they could kick him, you know, at right tackle, have Billy Turner at left tackle. If, if Bakhtiari is not ready, then kick him into center and take over for Corey Lindsley and have a potential all-pro center. Because he's that level of athlete, when you look at the way he can get to the second level as a blocker, when you hear his coaches talk about the level of uh, intelligence that he plays with. So he's a guy that I just think, man, that guy screams Green Bay Packer. He also already wears the green and yellow at for the Bison. So that's a a guy that I absolutely think that could end up in Green Bay, maybe in that second round range, or maybe he sneaks into the first. Um, I don't know. I do not know, but I do think that he would be a, a good selection for the Packers. I think he's a guy that fits what they do really well. The second guy, this is one this is someone that I think people are gonna be familiar with. And this is someone that honestly, before I watched him, I I didn't wanna like as much as I did. I did not wanna like him as much as I did. He's a wide receiver and it is not it is not Diami Brown, who I love. It is not Diami Brown from UNC, who I think, if I would say, give you a second wide receiver that this Packers team could be really, really interested in, he'd be the second one. He'd be 1B, and he would be 1B behind this man, Amon Ra St. Brown. St. Brown. Sounds familiar, right? Yes, it's Equinemius St. Brown's little brother. When you watch him play, he does not play anything like Equinamius, I was actually really surprised watching him because when I turned the tape on, I thought I was going to be seeing a, a big bodied um, athlete like, like EQ was at Notre Dame who um, had some good chops, you know, had some good run after the catch ability. And he has those things. But the thing that really sticks out to me about Amon St. Brown is the fact that you you watch him play. And I know last year – Matt LaFleur loved Josiah DeGora and actually showed his hustle plays when he doesn't have the ball. His effort as a blocker, his effort you know, to chase down a pick six in, in an 80-yard sprint, that type of stuff. Amon Ross St. Brown is one of the highest effort intense players in this draft class when you watch him play. He is feisty. He will block, and he will block until the echo of the whistle. It's so funny to me because – you look at, and I tweeted this out, HBO did a special on John Brown, their father, who was a two-time Mr. Olympia, Olympia, whatever that powerlifting thing is, the, the weightlifting with the body and stuff, His, their father was incredibly good at that. He was like the best in the world for two years. So he's had these his sons, and they got another one named Osiris St. Brown, who uh, plays for Stanford. He's not a draftable type player, but... He basically put him on this program, and and I, and when EQ came out, that was kind of the knock because I had a second-round grade on EQ. I thought he was a second-round talent. I think a lot of people around the league did as well. But he dropped all the way to the sixth, and a lot of people will accredit that to you, the fact that they were kind of cautious about what's this guy going to bring into our locker room with his father. Uh, the guy that they compare him to is the, the, the Lonzo Ball of the NFL, and NFL teams don't want to deal with that. The thing is, though, EQ has not been anything but a fantastic teammate since he's been in Green Bay. He's not been had any issues, nothing like that. And you get this idea when you hear this stuff that, oh, maybe these two guys are kind of divas. Maybe they have that diva-type wide receiver personality. They don't. Oh, my goodness, they don't. You look at Amon Ra. There are a couple plays where, um, and I think he was playing Arizona, The uh, Jack Johnson, not the singer, but the corner. And they, they went at it. They went at it the whole game. And he lost some reps. Amon Ra lost some reps, for to be sure. But there are a couple reps where he is blocking him off the screen. He is routing him up for a touchdown. The UCLA game this year where he is getting pressed on the outside and – I mean, it looks a little bit like Devontae, Um, and I I don't say that lightly. When he takes a jab step to the outside, so just to paint a picture, you're on the goal line, you're a defensive back, you're looking at the wide receiver, you're thinking either slant or fade, right? you got two options here typically. So he sells that fade, gives him the outside jab step with his left foot, and then quickly comes back inside Uh, with his right, and at the same time, syncs it up so perfectly. This is beautiful, the way he did this. The UCLA corner tries to press him, tries to get his left hand on his right shoulder, but as Amon Ra is taking that step to his right, his hands are perfectly synchronized with his feet. He leans back, swipes the hand away, takes that step with his right hand, gets a free release to the inside, and he's wide open for the slant touchdown. Where have we seen that before? And maybe that's why I'm so high on him is because I'd see some Devontae Adams in his game with his footwork and just watching the type of intense player that he is on the field. I would love to see him work with Devontae Adams and to just really master his craft and to get him into Green Bay. I think he is... He's probably that prototypical second round type receiver. But if the Packers want to go receiver and if they don't want to miss out on a guy, I don't know if Amon am raw. I think he's going to test really well because he's a St. Brown and because he's basically been uh, raised his whole life to be a workout warrior. So he probably will just like EQ did. And I, I, for whatever reason, nobody wants to put him at the end of the first round. And that's fine. You know, he, he might go in that kind of that Michael Pittman Jr. range. Like he went last year kind of early second round. So he could be an option for the Packers to take at the end of round one if they just want to say, hey, you know what? Last year we wanted a receiver round one and they all were gone after we waited till the second round. So let's just go get it. Let's go get our dupe this year at the end of the first. Very, very feasible. That could totally happen. Um, but he's the type of guy that I think would be a fantastic Packer. I, I don't know what it would look like with his brother being on the team. Um, I don't. He might be the guy that takes EQ's spot on the team, truthfully. And I, I still believe in EQ. I still think EQ has loads of talent. He can just keep, stay healthy. Um, Amon Ra doesn't have the same type of health issues, um, but EQ didn't coming out either. So. Um, it's it's interesting, but those are the two guys that I want to stake my name on right now and say, hey, uh, Dylan Raduns. I'm on Ross St. Brown and Diami Brown. I'm going to throw him out there too from UNC because he's my dude. I love that guy. I have no issues with him at the end of the first round. I've said that. I will say that again. I think he's going to be one of the one of the risers in this draft class. Nobody is talking about him enough because people have not watched his tape. But baby, when you watch his tape, it's fun. Okay, so uh, those are some of my guys. You know, keep an eye open for some of these guys all over at Packer Report as I start doing my weekly draft miss articles where, you know, I basically compare the draft to Christmas and who are some prospects that we could open up on draft day as presents for our favorite team. So, like I said, keep an eye open for that. That will be coming probably this weekend, and uh, that's always a good time. I always love the feedback on that stuff. Um, other than that, guys, that's all we got today. It's, it is a slow, slow time. Hopefully hopefully, in the next couple of days we can be having one of these episodes talking about J.J. Watt, Green Bay Packer. But until then, go back out.